program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Hi, and good afternoon, and welcome back to Leadership Matters. I'm Jenny Fruma. I co-host the show with Dr. G, and she is co-hosting with me today. She's on the phone as well, as well with along with our guest. Um, I, as I said, I'm Jenny Fruma, and I'm with Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach, Florida. And you're listening to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. I would like to really welcome our guest, Mr. Neil Neustein. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good afternoon. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Um, Neil Neustein has been the Executive Director of the Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Service since 1986. And as director of AJFCS, he has led the agency from an organization with five employees to one of the 10th largest in the country, employing more than 200 and a budget of $10 million. He also um, is involved in annually raising almost $3 million in donations. Um, He has a BA in psychology from Albright University in Reading, Pennsylvania, and a master's degree in clinical work from Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. He's licensed as a clinical social worker and a nationally certified guardian. He is also on a number of boards. Um, he is the board of trustees on the board of trustees for the Southern Commission. He is also past chair of the Council on Accreditation um, and is currently also on the board for Center of Guardian Certification. So welcome, Neil. And I'm going to tell you in a couple of minutes why we have Neil as a guest on the show. Um, But Dr. G, thank you for co-hosting the show with me. And um, why don't you have a welcome from yourself? Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Jenny. It is just a joy to be here to um, kind of co-host with you. I'm going to just um, maybe do the dance in the background with you, and you can call on me as it works. But I'm so excited and Love this topic and looking forward to hearing from yourself and Neil on it. Okay. Well, thank you. So the reason um, I've asked Neil Neustein to be on the show today is to talk about risk management. And you can see from his background that um, part of what he's lived with all these years, being on a board of trustees, a board, um, as well as running a nonprofit and other things that I'm sure we'll hear about as he weaves in, that risk management uh, is probably one of the most important things that we do in our world, and yet uh, we often kind of shrug our shoulders, pull up our nose and go, I don't get it, like what's all the fuss about? So, Neil, um, welcome again to the show, and please, would you maybe start out by telling us um, 
a little bit about the work that you do in more depth and also what draws you to that work and feel free to include details about your experience as a leader in this field. Well, thank you, Jenny. I've been involved in administration and as a CEO for almost 40 years now, uh, first as a mental health center and then running uh, two Jewish family service agencies, one in Norfolk, Virginia, now here in West Palm Beach, and uh, as well as serving on some national boards, as you mentioned. And I think what draws me to the work is the commitment that I have, and I know that it is shared by many of your listeners, to uh, really make the world a better place, to really try and help people, sometimes one person at a time, sometimes groups of people, but um, it's work that uh, we're all called to do and um, really is uh, the center of what I've devoted my professional life about. And here at JFNCS, we do a lot of things, really cradle-to-grave services from uh, working with kids and providing mental health services to kids, big brother, big sister programs, to uh, services for families, therapeutic and psychiatric services, to um, working with seniors and um, kind of everybody in between. So we really can make a difference in the community and make people's lives better, at least um, in small part. And thank you for sharing that about the organization. And I would imagine that every time you kind of turn a corner or look back or look forward to anything that the organization is involved with, that there's this kind of risk potential and things that have to be really thought through as part of strategy but also is directly related to, as you describe, his mission. Well, risk can't get it, stand in the way of completing your mission, but it's, it needs to be something that you consider from all levels, whether it's the clinical work you're doing, which all has its own risks, to the financial risk of the organization, to administrative and structural risk, to straight liability. It all comes together right. and creates a, um, a real hot uh, mix of issues that you need to consider at the same time not get paralyzed by. Right. So sometimes I've heard and when I've had conversations about risk management, what I sometimes hear people say, and, and it's only meant as tongue-in-cheek, but I think there's some truth to it, is if we're so immobilized by liability issues and risk, then we may as well all close our doors and go home. I think that's very true. Um, everything that we do in an organization like ours and many other similar nonprofits has risk attached to it. It's minimizing that risk, mitigating it, and not letting it get in the way of efficient operation that's in uh, the critical mission that we're all engaged in. And so from your perspective, being um, having done a lot of direct service in your life, in your professional career, and now um, as the CEO of a large organization, um, and also sitting on all these national boards, how... How different is risk management at the board level than it is at a management level? Or is well, the board clearly is concerned about the governance level of of, um, of risk, looking at the biggest picture, the 30,000-foot view, uh, and making sure at the same time that management at all levels is concerned about the 10,000-foot view and in the weeds view of risk. So the board, as a board member, you want to be assured that those systems are in place while not getting involved in them on a day-to-day basis and being concerned about the policy issues and the risks involved in those policy decisions. 
Right. So I know we, I would want later on in the second segment to come back to a little bit about what you're specifically talking about in terms of developing systems. Um, we've spent the last few minutes talking about risk management, but can you maybe give our listeners um, more of a definition of what we mean by risk management from your perspective? Um, risk is um, dealing with anything that's going to have an adverse impact on the organization or on the client served by the organization. So it could be anything from uh, an organization that's prescribing the wrong med- medication or dispensing the wrong medication to a patient or a client to uh, not having financial controls in place to allow for fraud or for um, theft to um, not having the management, the the supervision of management in place so that the organization gets involved in mission creep or moves in a direction that isn't in keeping with the governance uh, policy or the mission of the organization. So it sounds like um, the obvious ones that really stick out, I think, for most of us are kind of the clinical issues, whether it's medication or, um, you know, not recognizing that someone, for example, may be suicidal. Those, those, I think, are the easy ones. The ones that are a little more challenging that you describe are like mission creep. So what does that mean in terms of impact on organization? It means that you lose your focus, you lose your clarity, that you're off doing things that um, the organization really isn't set up to do. And um, when the structure is in um, uh, disconsonance with um, its mission, lots of errors creep into place and lots of inefficiencies result, which waste resources and create opportunities for um, adverse events, which can be very dangerous to the survival of an organization. It's just interesting for me to hear you say that. I wonder how many organizations at whatever level really talk about, actually dialogue about mission creep much. Very few. It's too easy to chase the money. And um, uh, so many organizations give up their perspective, their focus uh, to uh, chase whatever funds are available out there and find themselves doing things that they're really not equipped to do and to the detriment of the things that they are supposed to do. That's a risk as well. So when you think about risk management, it kind of takes it to the next level of really understanding core competencies because you mentioned that you may, an organization may choose to do something or go after something or start a new program but not necessarily be well equipped to do that. Right, and um, move outside of their core competencies to do things that really don't make sense to the organization in the long term. Um, an easy example is an organization that decides to run a, a McDonald's um, fast food franchise. Well, it sounds good on paper. You might make lots of money, but do you really know how to do that in an effective and efficient way when you're, you're, what you've been doing is providing child welfare services? Does it really make sense to do that? Some organizations can carry that off, but many others will struggle and do a poor job of both taking care of the kids and running the McDonald's. Mm -hmm. So the mission alignment piece can be considered risk management. Absolutely. And then one of the other things that you mentioned, or anything, I think your definition was anything that happens that is untoward, as in unexpected. Or adverse. Adverse. Uh, Not necessarily unexpected, because Mm -hmm. things happen that are unexpected all the time. 
it's adverse events that that it negatively impact the organization at some level or another mm-hmm. and create additional um, liability broadly defined. So some of all of this means that we probably need to have a periscope handy at any time, make sure we're getting out of the weeds. Um, yes, you need to look at things both from a 30,000-foot perspective and also in the weeds for the small details that can also go awry. Mm-hmm. It's a comprehensive view of what's going on in the organization, not necessarily by one person, but by the culture of the organization as well. Wow. Really rich information, and I hear the music in the background, so that means that it's time for a break. I want to thank uh, you, Neil, for this segment, and also Cheryl G. We haven't even had a chance to have you pipe in. I've enjoyed Um, the conversation. (laughs) We will be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, this is Jenny Forma, and I'm co-hosting this um, episode today with Dr. G, who is on the phone as well. And we have our guest, Neil Neustein, who is the CEO of Elper Jewish Family and Children's Services in West Palm Beach. So welcome back. Um, Cheryl, the last segment went really by so fast, and um, I wanted to ask you if you had any comments about what Neil was talking about, and then also anything you might like to add. 
Yeah, you know, I was enjoying um, Neil's input, loved his definition with regards to anything that can have an adverse effect on the organization, and um, appreciated the discussion around mission creep and ensuring that we have policies and procedures in place. I think the other space for risk management that I might add, um, you know, I think early on in my career I was a, I worked in risk management for a city municipality in uh, the city of San Diego to be exact, but um, I think the risk that we looked at very often were risk associated with workers' compensation that connected um, to safety. Uh, mm-hmm. making sure that we mm-hmm. had a uh, safe environment, that we supported employees ergonomically, that we did those things that were necessary to be compliant with ADA. I think uh, sexual harassment, all the EEO, I see uh, potential risk associated with if you have a workplace that's not really fostering dignity and respect, where you end up with liabilities associated with sexual harassment or any other type of discrimination or harassment. A type of a situation, our supervisors just simply not providing good supervision and um, engaging in ways that lead to, again, it can fall right into that workers' compensation um, arena as it relates to stress claims or um, physiological complaints that actually have psychological overlays. It might be psychosomatic. My, you know, I, I develop a pain in my neck because my supervisor is just a pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, that neck pain or that wrist pain or that back pain that might be minor becomes much more acute when I'm at work because I have a lot more tension and all of a sudden I find myself off work. And um, that can be quite costly to an organization, so not addressing those things are real important, Mm -hmm. or just employers that rush through the termination process without due diligence can leave the organization exposed to risk Mm -hmm. associated with major loss. Right. So thank you for that because both you and Neil have identified a number of those um, ways that organizations kind of find themselves dealing with the the result of lack of risk management. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, how do we identify risks? And I also want to go back to something you said earlier, Neil, and either one of you just take it and jump in, is how do we track when something has happened and how do we track and have in place systems to avoid those adverse situations from occurring? Well, I think, first of all, and I would agree with Cheryl that the risks that she mentioned are really important, but they're also basically fundamental. And the kind of thing that I would say is in the weeds. We all need to be aware of those kinds of risks as well as safe environments, falls, and, um, you know, injuries, that sort of thing. But I think organizations make a mistake by leaving it at that and not looking at the larger picture in terms of, the risks that I mentioned in terms of mission creep, um, governance issues, and the rest of it. But to answer your question, Jenny, I think that there are all kinds of reporting mechanisms that organizations can go through to track risk and and create an environment that is safer by correcting those risks. I think what really is behind that, though, is a culture of uh, understanding risk and and dealing with risk. Unless you create that culture in the organization, top to bottom, you can have all the procedures in place you want. 
it's not going to make any difference. So what does that look like now? It looks like an atmosphere in which, which people are prepared to talk about risk, to identify risk, and to report it up so that it can be dealt with appropriately. And unless people feel free to do that and feel that they can report their own mistakes, mistakes of others, without punitive action taking place, it's not going to happen, and you'll never identify the critical risks that can really impinge on an organization. Hmm. What do you think about that, Joe? You know, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that if the environment is not conducive for um, someone to make a mistake or someone to bring forth a concern, then you can't manage what you don't know. So if the longer I go blind to the risk, then the greater the risk. So uh, I agree wholeheartedly with uh, what Neil has said. And and I can talk from my own experience where um, creating that kind of culture is really tricky, particularly for many childcare worker organizations or, in our case, um, residential for adults with disabilities. People tend to want to cover things up because they're afraid of heads rolling. Mm-hmm. So creating that kind of culture not only takes time, but what kinds of things can we as leaders do to create that kind of culture? Well, it's, it's particularly tricky because you have to differentiate between mistakes that everybody makes and need to re- be reported and incompetence and um, being able to set up a culture where people accept that they're going to make mistakes, that that's a normal part of human existence and report it and deal with it, and people who are simply incompetent to do their jobs. Hospitals being a perfect example of that. There are surgeons who people in the medical field make mistakes all the time, but there are people who are really just bad doctors or bad nurses, and they need to be excluded from the from the practice. And how you keep a culture where people are prepared to report their mistakes and correct them and come up with systems that deal with them same time get rid of the people who really can't function is is really the ultimate in uh, setting up a a positive culture. So that positive culture, if I'm understanding you correctly, would be one where, um, yes, in terms of professional conduct, people are willing to report one another, but the culture can support someone coming forward themselves and saying, I made a mistake. But not support incompetence. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. That's profound in a way. Well, it's certainly difficult in a way. Yeah. So the system of of self-reporting, for example, um, where someone, in terms of medication areas, I think for those of us that that administer medication, that's probably the number one nightmare. I know that keeps me awake at night. That and we have seniors driving seniors on the road. That keeps me awake as well. And the guardianship. I can go on and on about all the areas that are just hotbeds of risk. Um, But back to the culture, you're saying that we all make mistakes. Um, So at which point does a mistake become incompetence then? Well, that's the key to leadership and creating a culture where mistakes are accepted dealt with and incompetence isn't and the leader's got to model an understanding that other people can understand and accept that you've made a good decision about somebody who either is incapable of doing their job or is capable of doing their job but just has simply made a mistake that or a system that needs to be corrected 
that's the other part of it as well is that the system you have to take a systems approach as well as an individual approach and so you have to look at the system by which um uh the mistakes are being caused and what you can do in the system to keep that from happening so this sounds so much more complicated in a way than that which we sometimes think about as codified or codified as some would say um, system of you know having all your ducks in a row or, or SOPs or policies and procedures. It is much more complicated. An example from the hospital world is that they decided to, uh, hospitals have decided not to leave heparin on the um, intensive care units because it, it can be mistaken for other drugs. So they force nurses to uh, order it from the pharmacy when they need it. What happened then was the law of unanticipated consequences. Nurses in one hospital started hoarding heparin and keeping it in their own nurse's station rather than in the medicine cabinets, so it created a worse situation than they had before. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have to look at the system that's causing the mistakes or or, um, supporting mistakes, but you have to look at what the changes you make, whether they create a different set of mistakes. It's a lot to keep track of. Cheryl, what about your take on creating a culture of positive support for risk management and and the whole issue of mistakes versus incompetency? Mm -hmm. Well, I again am um, really supportive of Neil's voice on that. I do believe, and I know you've heard me say over and over again, as has our listening audience, that the culture becomes whatever is being modeled, supported, and rewarded. So if there are things that are being said and done, if there are things that are, you know, if I want something to to happen within the context of the culture, then I need to say things that's consistent with it. So if I say that I'm going to have a learning culture and if someone makes a mistake, I hit the, the roof, then I really did not, I'm not supporting that behavior happening simply because my behavior did not support it. I think how habitual something is, if someone makes a mistake, it's one thing. I think as managers and supervisors, we're always doing the assessment when something's not hitting the target and we're aware of it, then it's, you know, is it not on track because it's, um, do they need more direction? Do they need greater support? I think being able to then discern, though, whether or not something's not on track goes back to what Neil said with regards to having some mechanisms in place Mm. regarding monitoring. Mm -hmm. If I'm not monitoring, I don't know. And then if I'm monitoring and I figure out that there's a challenge, then I do have to do some due diligence in figuring out what is this what is this that's not happening, that it should be happening, mm-hmm. that is happening, that shouldn't be happening, and really being able to step back and assess right. calmly, you know, what it's about. Is it is it something where it truly is a person can't get it. They don't have it and it's not something I can coach or develop them to get to where they're not a risk. Um, is the person lacking confidence in doing what it is they need to have done? I mean, so is this the basic individual issue, as Neil said, or is it a greater mm-hmm. systemic issue that needs to be addressed? And, and somewhere in there I was also hearing something about trending. Yes. So really being able to trend mm-hmm. um, these kinds of, quote, incidents as they're happening and then hopefully stay on top of that. And I think that's part of the management piece is making sure that you're not looking at lagging trends but that you're really looking and understanding the leading trends. Right. No, absolutely. For that. Well, another segment gone by really fast. I hear the music in the background. You're listening to Leadership Matters. 
um, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Uh, we have our co-host Cheryl G and our guest Neil Newstein on the phone with us today. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, Valerie Wright, our co-producer, will be joining us. And I believe she has some questions from the listening audience. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Hi, I'm Jenny Frummer, co-host with Dr. G, and I bring you greetings from Alpha Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach. On the phone with us is also Dr. G from Neighborhood House in San Diego. Um, our guest today is Neil Newstein from the Alpha Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach, and we've been talking about risk management, and I put it in the context of what is all the fuss about. Um, joining us during this segment, and welcome, Valerie, is Valerie Wright, co-producer from Wright Ideas Unlimited. And this is usually the segment where we listen to our listeners and see what kinds of questions they might have. And, Valerie, thank you so much once again for fielding this part of the show for us. Thank you, Jenny. My pleasure. So our first question comes from Deborah in California. She says, I serve on the board of a small nonprofit, and the greatest concern my colleagues and I have is what will happen if our CEO should depart with little or no notice. For the most part, right now, he is the organization. We do not have a succession plan, and we believe an extended period without a strong leader will cause a major setback for the organization. What is our first line of defense against this happening? Well, I mean, that, that is a problem. And when the whole culture of the organization rests on one person, it's very dangerous. 
I think if there's no other staff, um, something needs to be done to uh, get other people involved in understanding the organization, whether it's uh, somebody on the board or somebody uh, who's, who is interested in the organization. But information should be shared by more than one person, and there ought to be involvement in the board by the board of directors in coming up with a succession plan that addresses some of these issues. Every organization needs a succession plan. People get right. hit by buses all the time. Right, because it would seem to me that that if if Deborah from California is on this board and this is a thought that she has, then she is already acknowledging this as a risk. Um, so it, it's somewhat about the information that's needing to be transferred, but it also sounds like she's asking very specifically about the culture of the organization, him being the major culture carrier. Cheryl, is that how you heard the question? Um, yes, you know, I think that that you're spot on uh, with regards to uh, the answer. Uh, and, Neil, I think that Deborah has answered her own question with regards to her saying a lot of their concern is that they don't have a succession plan. I'd say get the planning, <laughs> start right. developing that succession plan, and start engaging others, um, and start doing what you're saying, Jenny, with regards to making sure that there is some type of knowledge uh, retention and transfer process in place. Mm-hmm. And if the organization is too small to have a significant other employees, then the board needs to take that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Valerie, thank you. That was a great question. Um, my initial reaction was run for the hills, but I don't think that's really appropriate. <laughs> so thank you, Deborah. I appreciate that. Um, do you have any more questions, Valerie? I do. Or do I have a question re- from Milton in California. Milton says, our organization is entertaining the idea of partnering with other community organizations to achieve efficiencies and economies. What are some of the risks we should consider during the vetting or planning phase that could come up after we are in partnership? Hmm. That sounds like a really good due diligence question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Due diligence ought to happen before you're in partnership Mm -hmm. to the extent that it's possible to do that. Um, it's really important that you understand the financial well-being of the other organization, their capacity, their management, their governance structure, um, their, their culture, and uh, certainly the risks are there when you uh, turn over some portion of your operation to another organization. And if you don't understand thoroughly what they're doing, what all the issues are, um, you can get into trouble really fast. Um, we certainly had the experience of taking over another organization, only to find out that there was one really important piece of information that was lacking in uh, all the due diligence that we did, which was considerable. And it meant ultimately that we had to pull away and uh, and uh, terminate our relationship with that organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only thing I would um, add to that list um, that Niels provided is also having them talk through and really look at, you know, how do these organizations complement each other and where is their overlap and is the overlap something that um, creates a redundancy or creates capacity mm-hmm. and, uh, and to really kind of think about that also along with those other elements that um, were already mentioned. And really make sure that you're going to increase efficiency and um, cost savings and not just get into it because it seems like a good idea. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes those things, if we're talking about also adding on the quality improvement piece and being able to measure and track all of this, sometimes those are hard to measure. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an experience of another organization offering to share IT services with us. We tried it once. We found that the um, other organization took priority over our IT needs in every single instance. So our accounting system could be down and the CEO of that other organization's um, smartphone wasn't working, and the smartphone would be fixed, and our accounting system would stay down. So you got to really look at those kinds of issues as well. Mm-hmm. And your point is to negotiate all of that out ahead of time. Yeah. And to monitor it. Yeah. Valerie, any thoughts about that? I, I agree. I think that... Um, uh, and I, maybe someone said the culture, but I think it, mm-hmm. that is probably one of the critical pieces, mm-hmm. how you're going to merge yeah. leadership, management, mm-hmm. and um, make that work in a way that does add to the efficiency of the organization because mm-hmm. that's a huge piece. Yeah. The risk culture is really important, as we've been talking about. If two yeah. agencies, organizations have very different cultures in terms of risk management, mm-hmm. that's going to be a, a fraught with problems as well. Yeah. Wow, Milton, thank you. (laughs) That was the second call from California today. Yes. Well, uh, we'll have a change here with Sam. He's from Michigan. And Sam says, I was recently assigned the responsibility of developing a core of volunteers to take on some formal responsibilities in our program, fundraising efforts, and other critical work areas. What are some risks associated with having volunteers take on these roles? What can we do to minimize risk and not complicate the work environment for our volunteers? And finally, to what degree are we responsible for the actions they take? Yes, 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 and yes. Right. (laughs) Totally responsible for the actions they take. And if you don't know your volunteers really well and set really strong policies and procedures and parameters and monitor those volunteers, you're asking for um, real problems. Um, there's a there's a myth that volunteers are free. They're not free. You need to spend significant resources in coordinating and monitoring volunteers. They can be wonderfully effective, especially in fundraising, do a great job for you, but you need to be on top of what they're doing, why they're doing it and everything from screening the volunteers thoroughly to having good, solid relationships with them so that you're uh, setting up a culture where they're going to meet the agency expectations and uh, reflect the agency culture and it's and it, what it wants to present to the community. I think holding them accountable. And same, I know we onboard our volunteers as if they were employees, the background checks, everything around that. And then it depends what they're going to do. And I think um, Sam was asking about fundraising, uh, which may be a different kind of training than direct service. Mm -hmm. And what venue, and is it an on-site with lots of people around or individual? So I think training, training, training is really a critical piece to... Besides the background screening and some of those obvious things, the training is absolutely critical. What do you think, Cheryl? No, I agree wholeheartedly. And, again, I think um, Neil really um, nailed that very well. And and the other thing that Neil said earlier I think applies here with regards to skill alignment. You know, sometimes taking on something and, um, you know, do you have the skill and do the volunteers have the skill? And, you know, volunteers Mm -hmm. can in and of themselves be, 
costly. They have to be looked at also as an investment. It's, it's definitely not a free venture. And I think uh, wisdom prevails in what you and Neil are both talking about with regards to the background checks and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and just the whole philosophy of onboarding them as you would any other employee. Mm-hmm. And are they going to, and especially in fundraising, going to reflect the culture of the agency? Are they going to fundraise in the way that you would like them to rather than some other way? I mean, you can envision a very good volunteer who likes to strong-arm people and ask for donations in a way that doesn't reflect well on the organization. Right. You want to be able to, even though the, everything else is fine, you don't want them to act in a way that um, – is detrimental to the the way the agency is viewed in the community. Absolutely, reputation. Right. Mm-hmm. These are such great questions and such great responses, I might add. Thank you. Yes, yes. Do we have time for one more, Valerie? I do, and I have a question, one more question, which is from Janice in Georgia. Uh, Janice says, I work in human resources for a mid-sized nonprofit and have been asked to take the lead in creating a risk management plan. We had a scare recently which created a sense of urgency for our CEO around risk management. Where do I start? I'm considering a committee. Should they be staff? If so, at what level of the organization? Interesting question, Janice, being that you're a mid-sized organization um, and now looking at uh, a risk management plan. And are they defining risk management only in terms of HR, or are they defining Mm -hmm. it much more broadly as we've been doing? And I would suggest to to her that she would probably want to define it in both ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think also that all levels of the organization need to be represented because if you don't get the cultural piece right and really get everybody on board, um, it's not going to be a successful program as well. So part of it is bringing people from all levels of the organization together in a committee of some sort, defining what risks you're talking about, and then getting the various segments of the organization to address those risks yeah. and how they want to deal with them. Yeah, and that yeah. might actually Google and do a little bit of background reading and maybe even do a consultation with a consultant on this one as yeah. well. And, and I would also plug Council on Accreditation because mm-hmm. they have a lot of guides around, a lot of their program guides are specifically incorporating risk management issues. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Another segment gone by, you're listening to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Valerie, thank you so much, and also a special shout-out, and thank you to our listeners for these great questions. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. 
That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at innovations.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. Welcome back. You're listening to Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. And I have, um, I'm Jenny Frommer and I'm co-hosting the show today with Cheryl G. And we have a guest, Neil Newstein. And we've been talking about risk management, uh, kind of really trying to look at it from all different levels, including uh, the everydayness of risk management, uh, what we sometimes affectionately refer to as being in the weeds. And then also looking at it from, you know, the 30,000 foot, um, also trying to understand uh, the risk that boards have and need to be paying attention to. And so we've kind of been all over the place with some really rich information and some suggestions from um, Neil, who's a real veteran in the field of risk management, being that he's been a CEO and on some national boards for, for many, many years. So I have a really important question. Um, and that is, is there, are there any good risks? Well, of course there are, because without accepting some level of risk, we wouldn't do anything. We'd just sit here totally immobilized, and even that would be a risk. So if we're going to help people, if we're going to do things that involve human beings or even our environment, we're going to engage in risk behavior. The, the idea is to minimize that risk while not being paralyzed by it. So can you give an example of a good risk? Yeah, well, we have a guardianship program where we're dealing with people who are profoundly disabled, unable to make serious decisions for themselves. Um, So we have to make decisions for them that um, some people may think are good decisions, other people may think are bad decisions, but we have to make that decision 
So that is, that's a risk in and of itself. Whenever we take a new program on to take it up a few notches in terms of levels, we're taking a risk that we can carry off that program effectively. There are consequences if we don't. There are consequences if we do. And we have to decide whether that risk is, is worth taking. But not to take any risk again would mean we wouldn't do any new programs or provide any new services. And I think we've all seen those organizations that really struggle with that and the conversations that I've been privy to are, we can't do that because it's just too risky. Ultimately, if an organization is paralyzed by the risk, they're going to die because if you don't change, if you don't move with your environment, take on new risks and deal with old ones, you're not going to be reflective of the community you serve and you're not going to be relevant any longer. And, and what, what would be an example of a board taking a risk that might be considered a good risk? Well, every time they hire a new CEO, they're taking a risk. Absolutely. <laughs> and, our, and the same thing is true of management. Every time we mm-hmm. hire somebody, no matter how good the interview and vetting process is, you really never know until the person's worked there for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. The so term we use is the jury is still out. Right. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. And what about your thinking, Cheryl, about along those lines? Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. I think without um, any risk, we're stagnant. Without, and, and so if we're going to have growth in any way, um, we have to allow ourselves to, to have um, some trust to step out on things that we don't know everything about, and we don't know everything about a lot of things. So we can vet things and make well make uh, good decisions are based on what we know, but if we only operate on what we know, we're going to be pretty limited. So that new employee, that new program, whatever the new opportunity is, becomes limited if we want no risk. An example is a few years ago when the 2008 financial crisis hit, um, the organizations looked at its finances and saw that we were being hurt by um, Madoff and other um, uh, issues in terms of our donations coming in. And instead of retrenching, although we did lay off some staff at that time, we actually added to our development team. And the result is that we're now in a much stronger position to fundraise and get donations in than we would have been otherwise. But it was a risk because we were incurring Mm -hmm. significant costs to the organization that um, could work out or not work out and... uh, in an environment where money was very scarce, it was um, quite a risk to take. Mm-hmm. And and we've been talking about maybe, you know, some of the horror stories about risk-taking or risk management. But I, I think even as leaders in our own organizations, we're making risky decisions every day. Um, we make them based on as much information that we can and right. then... Sometimes we're trying to influence appropriately, so I don't mean in, inappropriately, so mm-hmm. a staff person to take a chance on something and mm-hmm. to, to try this because it's part of their professional development, which is that risk. So mm-hmm. that isn't so much in the weeds like requirements and crossing T's and dotting I's, but we're, we're doing it, I think, every day with our staff as well, encouraging them to take good risks. Absolutely. Without that ability, we don't delegate. There's just so many things that become paralyzing um, and the other if we're issue not is, willing to take some risk. Mm-hmm. And the other issue is um, not waiting until you have, quote, enough information, because you may never have enough information right. to make a decision. So it's knowing when you have enough, have sufficient information to make a good 
decision, but not so much that you're paralyzed waiting for it. Mm-hmm. Which can be risky business. Right. Sometimes <laughs> no decision at all is creating quite a risk. Absolutely. This is a, so much really to think about. Um, in the last just few minutes that we have, I don't really want to end this conversation, but I'm very conscious of the time. Um, any last-minute thoughts that you would want to leave our listeners, and we probably have about four or five minutes to really think about that, and then any um, out, you know, anything you want to talk about, um, making listeners aware, aware of any specific materials or uh, websites or anything like that out there, like a shout-out. Well, you know, I, I um, probably had a couple of things I want to share. One would be, as we have this whole conversation about risk, it, what keeps coming to mind for me is just, um, you know, really being able to be rooted in trust and in hope. And I think that that allows us to combat fear. So not being, um, for lack of a better word, foolish in our and how we move forward, mm-hmm. but being, being, um, you know, being um, conscientious and making grounded decisions. I think what allows us to move forward and to move with some reasonable risk really is um, trust. Mm-hmm. The other thing I just want to mention is the Advanced that's a yes, Cultural Competence please. Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the Advanced Cultural Co- Competence Academy is actually being held in conjunction with. Uh, Innovisions, which is a social enterprise of Neighborhood House Association that's uh, in San Diego, as well as the Alliance for Children and Family Services in Milwaukee. Uh, it is being held in San Diego, um, and you can log on to www.theadvance.org to find out more about it, but it's November 14th through the 17th in beautiful San Diego. And so we invite you to that website and hope you'll join us sounds really interesting. I've actually visited the website. Great. Love to have you come. Neil, any last-minute kind of takeaways that you would like to listen to? Well, I'll just piggyback on what Charles said. Ronald Reagan had an expression in talking about the Russians and the uh, non-proliferation of nuclear weapons treaty. He said, trust but verify. Oh, yes. That's actually hanging up in our... Oh, what? I'm sorry. I was just going to say trust. You know, have the systems in place which give you the information you need, but ultimately you have to have a culture of trust as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, uh, our CEO has it hanging up in his office, and <laughs> it's always trust but verify. <laughs> that in and of itself really says everything about what's all the fuss about, right? Um, and I want to give a shout-out to the Alliance. Cheryl, you mentioned the advance, but the Alliance at AllianceOne.org actually has their national conference here in sunny Florida, in Orlando, um, October the 17th through the 19th. So check that out as well. Wonderful. I really want to thank you, Cheryl, for co-hosting today with me. And um, a very special thank you to our guest, Neil Newstein, from Alpert Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach. Um, I think it was a really lively conversation, and you gave us a lot to think about. And Leadership Matters is on every Wednesday afternoon. And it's, of course, as you know, about informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you so much, and have a good week. Thank you again for tuning in. 
Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about